0: G'day guys, it is your coach here and I am all talking about tournament organiser activity. Uh, You might have been watching these videos in the past about tournament organising or event organising. This is another part to that series and we are going to be talking about team tournaments, something that is quite unique, something that is exciting. I got the pleasure of playing at Gabe's uh, tournament in the past uh it's a very interesting style it's not your traditional one-on-one uh nor is it actually like four people at the same time battling um it's it's a, a rather interesting but a format that i think is growing with time and the thing for me is that uh it's a little bit harder to run which is why i wanted to talk to gabe gabe from uh the runax wargaming is a master at this format um, has run an event was it a it was over a hundred last year it was 120 ish uh
1: the uh the one that was in 2019 was uh 14 teams which was 88 players and then this year 2020 was going to be 120 players and then obviously everything that happened happened so as as it tends to have done to pretty much every every major tournament at this point but that's okay we're um well, yeah, onward and upward.
0: La- last year there was absolutely no space to expand anyway. So we were absolutely like, I had an absolute ball, but we were literally mm. jam-packed into that venue. So mm. uh and I know that the wait list was quite long as well. So um the team tournament's quite an interesting format for me. It's it's like I like I mentioned, it's not a one-on-one format. Um, it is a one-on-one game, but it's a very interesting format. So I think before mm. I get into all of that, Gabe, you yeah. are uh, an awesome wargamer, uh, very hobby orientated. As I mentioned, you uh, do run the Rune Axe blog, uh, which is a very yep. very cool blog, very hobby orientated. Oh, uh, doesn't you. mean you can't play, but no. <laughs> uh, you are a Chaos Dwarf player as well as a whole bunch of, uh, and you've had you've had um, uh, a bit of a hobby streak lately as well. You've you've been kind of focusing on, on t- models and terrain.
1: Yeah, well, there's been um, – I mean, you know, Queensland's lucky and at the moment we're starting to come out of it and we're seeing more events. But from about March onwards, um, it pretty much wiped out uh, any events and most gaming, like it was hard to get games in. And so I was like, well, i got to do something to fill my time. So I just went on an absolute tear, started painting stuff and, um, and just filled my time that way. Uh, and now that events are coming back, it's kind of refocusing. But – it's, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun just getting into into the no pressure painting side of things where I don't have a deadline for an army. I can just pick up a cool model that I like and I can paint it, so...
0: Yeah, that's that's been one of the absolute uh, really cool things that come out of COVID is that uh, we haven't had the hobby deadline, so you haven't had to rush your painting. Uh, I've been take mm. I, I, I I've got a tournament coming up next month for, um, for playing with my gargants, uh, but I've been really slow with my gargants. Green mm. stuff in converting. This yep. morning, I just cut up a whole bunch of gargants to to cut their legs off to get, pose them <laughs> differently. But, yep. but it's been really cool as I got into my cities to just uh just mess around with them without having mm. to worry about getting it up to battle battle ready standard or yeah. you know tabletop standard just to play with them
1: yeah yeah for sure it's um it's definitely taken a lot of the pressure off and it's i think it's allowed everyone to do that army that is cool but not might not be great competitively they can just pick it up and um and just go for it and get it get models painted and and on the shelf
0: ready to go for when everything does kick off no, that's awesome. That is awesome, and you are, like I said, an absolute, truly hobby butterfly. But you actually complete you actually <laughs> yeah. complete the cycle as opposed to many of us <laughs> who have hordes of stuff uh, above their, their video camera. But we are here talking about teams tournaments, and yep. I want to unpack this with you because, again, you know, uh, it is a format that's kind of emerging. Most people yep. have played. Du- most people have at least heard of doubles. Mm. Uh, you know, the, a two on two format. But the team's yep. tournament format is one, like I mentioned, that's getting very, very popular, really enjoyable format for people who have played, but it is a very interesting thing. So before I get into it, why teams? Why of all the events that you could choose, did you choose team as opposed to narrative, one-on-one, doubles? Uh, yep. You could have chosen a 1,000-point tournament. There's like yeah. so many different options. Why teams of all th- events? Um,
1: I think... I'm a bit of a sucker for punishment for one. Uh, it, was, it was kind of my first step into tournament organizing and I just, um, unbeknownst to me, I thought, oh yeah, it won't be that much different to running a singles event. Uh, it is a fair bit of work. I don't know. I haven't run any singles events, so I can't say whether it's more or less, but it certainly poses some challenges. But one of the reasons that I picked that format is because it was a tournament that... I would have liked to play in. I was like, we've got doubles. We had, you know, every state now kind of has its, its, you know, few landmark singles events, you know, each like New South Wales has Sydney Slaughter, Sydney GT. Queensland has Brizhammer. Um, there's Saggy T. There's, you know, yes. there's there's a lot of singles events and there are a few doubles events floating around, but I was like, it would be cool just to have something different where people don't necessarily have to come with a nails list. They can show up with three of their mates with armies that they love and just have a laugh, you know, and it doesn't have to be too serious. Some guys do take it serious. Like there's teams that go to win um, and there's teams that show up who are like, we've all taken dwarves, you know, and there were four different dwarf armies and they were just loving. Well, life the first,
0: them. I think your first event you had uh, the all elf faction where you had, um, you had someone playing Sylvaneth. You had someone playing. Yep. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember the elf. elf the, it was the Elf Bros. It was well yeah. before Lumineath, yep. but it was the Elf yeah, Bros. Yeah. And somehow Sylvaneth kind of snuck in, but uh, it was like Journeys of Kane, Deepkin. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember which other elf we I think there
1: were. I was. A, time. I want to say Phoenix Temple, but I'm not entirely sure.
0: Either um, way, but
1: yeah. Oh no! It wasn't allows... the
0: scourge privateers. Either way, like like you guys had yeah, some cool themes, right? Like I think um, yeah, that's it. the the um uh, we had a team with last year. I got to play them uh, in the in the finals, which was uh each of them played as one of the chaos gods. So you had yes, Sladesh, yeah. Noble, uh Corn, and Zench, which was really really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, and it it does open it up for that kind of um you can take it as seriously or as casually as you want and it's it caters because of the format you're only you know you you're playing people usually who are at the same kind of who are coming into it with the same mindset so after the first or second round the com- the competitive guys are all playing each other and the the guys who are there for a good time and a casual game are all playing each other and it makes for a, everyone gets what they want out of it um but at the same time you're doing it with three of your friends and you know, you've got all your planning and your scheming leading up to it, and then, you know, even if even if you get smashed, you're still having a laugh with your mates. So,
0: yeah, that was probably the really cool thing. And you know, I, I will unpack a little bit more in a second what a teams event actually is. But I think for me, that was uh, my second teams tournament. So the first team tournament um, I played at was uh, Clint Mallet and Chris Welfare run um uh, a teams tournament in sydney at, at moab um mm. and it was it was very early on it was i think it was like 2017 and i had a really bad time Mo- not not because of chris or um or um of clint but yeah. the way we had done it was um they forced you to take one of every grand alliance so you mm. had to t- and at the time death didn't even have legions of yeah, destruction Destruction, just- i think only had iron jaws at the time yeah. maybe beast claw raiders um, and I was not a destruction player. And I think I played this hybrid. Now upon reflections, it was like grots and a merworm and trogs And it was yeah. really, really cool. But like at the time, it was very it was an interesting yeah. time. Um, but it was really cool the camaraderie, a camaraderie that, you know, there's a bit of scheming, uh, the way that you kind of like pair up. It's not just, it's not yeah. like a traditional tournament where Gabe says, you know, table five, it is Anthony versus Liam, you know, table six. It's not like that traditional format. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of camaraderie, a lot of scheming, a lot of manipulation. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and that was that That kind of – that was kind of cool. It was a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but what is what is a team's tournament? Like, how would you describe it to me uh, if I had never been to a team's tournament or heard about it uh, before?
1: So my, my team's tournament, again, like the Grand Alliance – Grand Allegiance kind of thing is the was the first thing that I kind of had to decide what I wanted the event to be. Um, I thought about doing the one from each Grand Alliance thing, um, so having a death player, a destruction player, so on and so forth. Um, I felt like that was a bit restrictive because you might have two guys who play Order and two guys who play Destruction who want to come to this event and they can't because none of them own a death army, for example. And so... What I did was I capped it at one player out of each team can take a certain allegiance. And so you could have all four Chaos players, but the stipulation was that you couldn't duplicate uh, War Scrolls either. So if you had four Chaos players, only one of them could use the Chaos Marauder War Scroll in their army and the other guys, that would then be out of bounds for them. So it was a, a team tournament for me. Is about working together to kind of build a dynamic um, set of four armies that can handle, you know, and you, the matchups might not go your way, but you want armies that can handle different threats that you might come across. So you might think, okay, Zinch is a threat. We need an army that can potentially shut down Zinch if we get the pick of the matchups. Um, Seraphon's very good at the moment. What do we have that could counter them? And um, and so that's kind of the, the idea behind it is mostly just a mateship thing. It's one of those things where you're playing with your friends instead of typically against all your mates, which is what you usually do. Uh, and so it's just a little bit different. It adds a bit more dynamic to to a typical tournament
0: yeah <laughs> it, it's a lot it's a lot of fun like as a as a, to- a player so uh i did mention my first experience wasn't the best again it has nothing to do with the um with the the tournament organizer it wasn't nothing to do with the tournament it was just that i was in a team that unfortunately we had a lot of order players and that's probably one of the challenges is mm. the chaos and order uh, are still dominating um and even back then there wasn't many battle tomes for death or destruction uh, death or destruction. Um, yeah. And I just got, I, I said, look, I'll take it. And, you know, we let uh, a Fire Slayers player take the Order Army. But, you know, coming to your event last year, it was really, really cool because I got to play with, um, uh, so I played with uh, Liam, uh, people would know mm-hmm. from the from the, sh- the show. Uh, we played against Hayden, uh, Hayden, so Hayden Elfbro. Again, you probably know um, Hayden yeah. from the channel. And Dan Brewer. So, again, another person yeah. from the channel. We all played together in a really cool faction. And yeah. it was really cool to to be able to, uh, Played to different strengths. You know, I brought Hello Heart, so I brought a very magic orientated army. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dan Brewer brought his Skaven, so it was very, very lots of bodies. Um, yeah. Liam had run, I want to say OBR. I can't remember, and I think. But I, I, I think um, Hayden run Beast Claw Raiders or ogres. Mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and it was really interesting because uh, the night before, and I'm kind of giving away some secrets, but probably not so <laughs> secret, is you know the night before we went through every single team because Gabe, mm. uh, one of the one of the rituals we have in Australia is that we submit our tournament lists uh, to our event organizers two weeks out, which yeah. allows us to I guess as a tournament organizer um check to make sure all of our, our um lists are, are legal, match play legal. It allows yep. us to uh to do shows. There's plenty of review shows where um, we talk about lists in advance and make some you know tin fall hat predictions. And <laughs> also it allowed us to kind of sit back and you know on a Friday night, uh we all sat around the kitchen table having a few drinks, trying to work mm-hmm. out uh with, with like a traffic light, you know, yeah, red, yeah. orange and, and red, orange and uh and green. You know, who are the preferable armies that we want to face and who do we yeah. not want to face? Because I think that's the challenge, right? Is that, and I think Luke in the chat is mentioning that he'd be thrown under the bus. And for some people, mm. actually, that's a good challenge. If you can try to be thrown under the bus and try to stop an opponent, uh, your team can win. So, yeah. Um, so even though, you know, sometimes you are the sacrificial lamb, <laughs> um, yeah. you, you go in knowing that you're you, while the matchup is unfavorable, you're going to do everything you can to stop your opponent or just be yeah. annoying or just deny them. Yeah. And your other your other teammates are going to win the games, which then ultimately means the team wins.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. And that's that's a dynamic that I really like is that you do need, you know, one or two players on your team who can handle those really tough matchups. Knowing that they're giving the rest of their team good matchups and while they're maybe not expected to win that game, there is, a, there is a bit of a challenge in, like, trying to push it to a minor loss or trying to scrape secondary objectives or deny secondary objectives just to chisel away those couple of points of the other team. Um, yeah, it is, a very, it is a very interesting dynamic, which is something that I really like about it.
0: Because there's, you know, a lot of team events like yours. You'll put a cap in. So it's not like you, you know, as a team, all four of us have to get the major win. There's actually a cap. So it allows yeah. you to, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very cool dynamic. And we'll talk about your players pack in a minute. I'll bring up some sure. photos, but yeah. you know, just for anyone who is listening who's like, What is a Teams event? I've never experienced it. I've never Mm. heard of it. Uh, It is not unique to Australia. There are a bunch of team tournaments uh, all over the world. I know the UK's had a couple. Uh, Mm. I think America was going to do one at Adepticon this year. Uh, Unfortunately, obviously, that got cancelled. But I think we're kind of seeing more and more Teams tournaments coming into play. It's like the best of both worlds. It's the team format, (laughs) and you get your one-on-one game. Definitely.
1: Yeah. No, it's good. It's um it's certainly becoming more popular, and I don't think it's at the expense of other events either, which is good. Um, singles events are still caning along. You still see doubles events everywhere. It just seems like another facet of the of the community, um, and it's not you know it's not taking away players from those other events. It's just another option that people have. Um, and one of the one of the good things that I like about it as well is sometimes as a new player, a singles event can be a bit intimidating to go to, um, especially if you don't know many people. Like if you're going in blind to your first event and you're not really sure if you, you know, you might not be confident in your list or your rules or anything like that, it can be really intimidating to go in. Um, And then you might get shit mixed in your first game and that can be really off-putting. Whereas in a team event, you can go, yes, I'm new, but three of my mates have been here before and there's that comfort in, in knowing that even if you lose, the pressure is off a little bit in teams because you can lose and it's not the end of the world, you know. Um, so I think it is good for um, community growth when those experienced players bring along those new players on the team and um, and kind of show them the ropes and and get five games in under their belt in a in a good environment.
0: I know. Um, I know many tournament organizers are, are considering how they get more uh, female gamers into their mix as well. And I know, from my personal experience, my first two games were actually against female players. So I got to play Monica with her corn, which yep. was uh, which is very very cool. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> killed Scarbrand her, uh, her her little child uh, very early. Yeah. Um, but it was a cool game, and then I played a uh, Seraphon lady, um, and it was a lot of oh, fun, Jess. right? Yes, yeah, that's it. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was cool as well. A lot of cool yeah. fun. Um, but you know, if, if you are thinking about that, like that was another, you know, they were really enjoying themselves again. You know, the one-on-one comp- competitions not for everybody. Uh, mm. It can be a great way to bring in um, young players. So, uh, mm. whether it's children, whether it's you know teenagers or young adults coming into their first competition. Uh, having the guidance and the experience of uh, other players uh, in that format can be quite safe as well. So if you're looking to grow your community, if you're looking for something different, the team's tournament format is certainly one that uh, I would highly recommend, which is, again, why I want to unpack this with you.
1: Yeah. No, definitely.
0: While I bring up some photos, I might ask you. So, how does this differ as an event organizer? Uh, and you've been to plenty of, of one-on-one events. Yeah. How does this differ from the traditional match play event?
1: Um, in regards to organizing it.
0: Both. Okay. Look. Let's let's say as an event organizer, and then maybe yep. as a player.
1: I would say. Um, oh, that's a, yeah. It's 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 kind of where to start. It's. It's less stressful in regards to um, selling tickets, for example, because often all you've got to do is sell a ticket to one person, and they'll convince three of their friends to come. You know, Um, because you you sell a team ticket.
0: You you sell a team ticket. You say I do. uh, You save a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks or whatever that local currency is for you guys. Uh, It's X amount of dollars, and that is for people in your team. Correct. Uh, By the way, I've seen team tournaments of six people in a team. So four four doesn't have to be the
1: number. (laughs) No, that's it. Yeah. Um, But it does make it easier to kind of, because they're usually the captains are pretty active in making sure that their team is organized. um, And I'm usually pretty active in communicating with all the captains and stuff and making sure that they know what's going on, making sure that everyone's ready. Uh, So in that regard, it's good. I will say the week, week, week and a half leading up to the event is probably the most stressful thing ever because uh, you might have one or two players from a team drop out. You might have a whole team drop out. And in a singles event where if someone drops out, you might have an odd number. One player might have a bye. All of a sudden, if you have a whole team drop out, you've got four players who are sitting on their hands for a couple of hours. So in that regard, it's tricky. Um, I'm lucky to have people in the community who are very generous with their time, and they'll put together a mercenary team, and they'll say, "Look, you let us know the day before if we need to show up or not." Um, and that's a very—it's um, a very under underrated resource to have—is people like that who are willing to kind of step in when they're needed, but also be totally okay with not playing the event, you know. Um, But, yeah, in that regard, it's good because, you know, there's already that camaraderie built in. People are already motivated. They motivate each other. um, And then it's just a matter of resources at that point, making sure that um, we have all the tables we need, all the terrain we need. We're very lucky up here now to have, with with the TOs in Queensland, uh, between us, now we can pretty much, Mat and terrain and event on our own, um, which is which is a fantastic resource to have. We all lend each other terrain for events and stuff like that. So uh, that's taken a lot of pressure off. The last few years have has been you know everyone's been building towards that. Myself and Fail Charge and Bruce Hammer and uh, Clint has a ton of terrain for for
0: CanCon, of course you you um, may have gotten a coach donation last year as well. <laughs> I also got a Which whole also helped table you win armies on parade. Dedicated, just, yeah. just saying, just saying I got you a whole want a
1: table of chaos dwarf terrain that matches my, uh, my army, so which which
0: and, uh, armies on parade doing as well.
1: A bunch of additions. I did win armies on parade, which was exciting. Uh with a big lava board and all the geysers and everything, so it's um yeah, it's definitely it's it's become a bit of a community thing as well, like teams because it's not one of the things I was
0: concerned about when I. Sorry, I know I'm jumping around. No, 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 no. This this, this is so, good because because um, as an event organizer, I, I sometimes I feel like I don't want to ask for help, right? And yeah. I want to own all the terrain. I want to have all yeah. the mats. And I think what you're trying to – what you are you are saying – not trying, you are saying – is that by pulling the resources, you really can create a great experience. And ultimately, these other tournament organisers are probably going to come to your event and play. So everyone gains – it's all like the high tide is lifting all the boats.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. That's a perfect analogy for it. Um, And that is the case. Like, we all attend each other's events. There's no – competition or anything between me and and Chris and Dino from Bruce Hammer or me and fail charge or Clint or like no one's, no one, you know, loses any skin off their nose when someone else has a great event, because it means that that's another great event for the community. You know, um, I was going to say one of the things early on that I was battling or not battling with, that's the wrong word. Um, my biggest concern the first time I ran it was whether people were going to come firstly because it was such a different format but also because at the time everyone was really heavily on the um on the competitive scene about ranked events and getting points to try and qualify for masters and originally I was like oh do I try and work out some way to rank teams and eventually i was just like no nah, it's not worth it it's too you know it's going to die you know it'll it'll throw the it could potentially throw the rankings off kilter if someone you know who gets thrown under the bus every game gets max points because their team did really well it then once you transfer that over to a singles format it can skew that a little bit so i decided against ranking it but that was a bit of a blessing in disguise because people came into that event and they continue to come into that event knowing that there are no consequences if they lose. They can just show up and they can just have a blast. And if they get shit mixed five games in a row, that's okay. You know, There's not any lasting ramifications. Um, and so I think that's built a bit of a more relaxed vibe around teams, which has been good. That's kind of the event that I wanted to build was just a, a relaxed community event that people enjoy
0: and and for anyone who's listening to us from uh overseas so australia does have a ranking system where we basically have like a a competitive ladder where all of our events uh generate points so basically Mm -hmm. uh the more the the more players at the the event and the more games that are played so a a two-day tournament is worth more than one a one-day tournament and, uh, uh, you know, a 100-player tournament is worth more than – or there's more points available than, let's say, a 40-person tournament. But basically, we accumulate points over a season, which is traditionally 12 months. Yeah. And uh, at the end of that season, that, that uh, the top 16, the top 20, there's a pool of people uh, who, are, who are basically brought to an invitational or offered an invitational uh, to compete for the title of Master. So uh, Dave Kerr in Australia, back-to-back two-time winner – And then Matt Tyrell is the current champion. So uh, that's basically what Gabe's talking about here. And then Mm. I guess uh, that's probably one of the incentives that we've had to get people into the competitive landscape. Mm. But I I know for myself, when I attended the Runax, uh, it's straight after the Masters season is over. So it's in a brand new season. So the timing is good. But yeah. it also means you're right. I can bring a fluffy list. I can just go and have fun and drink beers and just chat to people. Yeah. I can, you know, if I'm, if I'm striving for that title of master or I want to prove myself I'm the best, um mm. I can always like let my hair down a little bit and just have fun and laugh and and win and just you know roll dice with my mates and yeah. uh, that pressure kind of comes off. And I think. A lot that's been one of the draw cards, and I know the measured gaming boys from Queensland, Queensland, Victoria wanted to come up. Yeah, like it does your milkshake, does bring all the boys to the yard, Uh, (laughs) and the girls, and the girls, but and the girls, uh, yeah. So, um, so look, look, I, I can't speak highly enough of teams events, and um, and if you are in a community that's not running teams events, um, I would highly recommend considering the format. Um, yep. And hopefully through Gabe, we're going to learn how to best do it. So we've got a bit of an understanding. Like if I'm, uh, if I'm coming to the event, what should I expect? Uh, so you talked a little bit about the tournament organizer. You talked about pulling resources. Yep. You've talked about some of the pros of selling a ticket and getting four or six people yeah. immediately. So you can kind of get yeah. the money quite easily. But then the challenge is as well is that if one t- team drops – Uh, you're trying to replace four players. So having, uh, whether whether you are a a team organiser or you're just organising a one-on-one, you should always have backup players because people will drop out, life will happen, things happen. So having some backups to make sure that someone hasn't travelled halfway around the country and they don't have a game. That for me has been the suckiest thing is that, you know, I'm sorry, you travelled half a day to get here. And you're the buy buster.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I try and avoid every year is because I know that people do travel a long way. We've had people from Adelaide and Sydney and Cairns and all over the place and, and it's always something that I want to make sure that everyone actually plays five games uh, and so that their trip isn't, you know, there, there's, no, there's no mark on the record for, for their enjoyment kind of thing. They've had the maximum fun that they can have and the maximum games
0: i want to bring up your place back in a second because um, sure. one of the things that I want to talk a bit about is, is how do you, how do you format a team's event and how do you bring it to life? How do you, cause like when I bring up, I'm just going to bring up the picture again. Cause I love it. You're um, like when I, <laughs> so that was the, uh, so Gabe is here uh, commentating. So you guys live streamed it uh, in, in partnership with the failed charge. So that was a really yep. cool stream with JMR Mick. Yeah. They did a fantastic job. And I believe their streams are still available on the Failed Charge if you want to see uh, how that works. But yep. you've also got the champions here at the top. So you've got um, Ash, you've got Rob, you've got Chris and Matt, uh, who yep. who actually with the four Chaos Gods so that each ran. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ash ran Zench, uh, Rob ran Slanish, uh, yep. Matt ran Korn, and Chris ran Nurgle. Uh, and then you can kind of see a little bit about, uh, I mentioned earlier that we were kind of jam-packed and there was no space to expand. Uh, you can see that's just a bit of a snapshot, so very well spaced. But you know, um, thinking yeah. about movement, thinking about spaces as well for people to kind of break out and talk and plan, yeah. Um, so some things to consider as well. But, um, straight up, a, a, a great event. But while I bring up your place pack, I'd love to hear from you like, how do you bring it to life when you're thinking about your players pack and thinking yep. about your, your communication to the players and those captains? You talk about captains because. We don't talk about captains in other events, so yeah. What, <laughs> so talk to me through that while I switch
1: slides. So with the with the captains, I'll usually um, that's kind of my point of contact to each of the teams is through the captain. Um, There'll be uh, any information that I need to give any of the teams, I'll send it to the captain, and I'll you know entrust them with sorting it out with their team. Um, I'll chase up lists through the captain that way I'm not chasing you know four people for every every uh team to try and get my hands on a list um but it does make for a good a good way to communicate, and we're all pretty active, they hit me up with questions all the time and making sure stuff's legal and doing all sorts of all sorts of
0: shenanigans so. How, how, how do I become a captain? Because I guess that's the first thing, right? Like you talk about communication to the captain. So imagine yeah, of talking to 100, 120, 118, yeah. 80, whatever the number might be, yeah. communicating to everybody could be challenging. So you're yes. you're routing your communication primarily to a captain. So yeah. how do I become a captain and what why is that important?
1: Um, basically, the captain is pretty much whoever's organising the team. So four mates will get together. One of them will get in touch with me and buy a ticket. And then that person, if that person's happy to be captain, so be it. If they're going to elect someone else in their team, that person can be the point of reference. Um, and then that captain on the actual, at the actual event, that captain will be responsible for, um, one, making sure that all their team is is at the table and everything ready to go. And and also working their way through the matchup process and kind of planning each engagement with another team
0: i can't wait to talk about the the matchup process because that is the interesting (laughs) thing right is that uh, as a as a captain i want to have as i want to have as many favorable situations as possible but that's very one-sided because my my opponent team wants the exact same situation so how do we kind of work that out and yeah there's a a, a beautiful (laughs) little dance that happens that um we'll talk about but you know, here, here's an example. So Gabe uh, prefers to put his uh, players pack on a blog as opposed to uh, a document, do whatever you want. It's, so that, you know,
1: I, I will say that was purely at the time my uh, my technological knowledge limitations. So I was like, I know how to post stuff on a blog. We'll get you there uh, in was, a PDF. We'll yeah, PDF yeah, a Word document a for you
0: eventually. <laughs> so we've got, so, you know, talk me through the place pack. So first off, we've got our venue. We should probably yep. expect that. Um, from yep. a scheduling point of view, uh, the, the 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 times and the schedule is it the same? Like, is it the similar to a one on one, or do you have? Yeah, to? Yeah, it is.
1: It is pretty similar. I I put two hour forty five rounds in, and I listed all the scenarios ahead of time. Again, this team events there's a little bit more, usually a little bit more planning that goes into it than than a singles event. At a singles event, you write your list. You might know what the scenarios are going to be. You might not. It doesn't have that much unless you're really going for it. Like the scenarios won't affect my list that much if I'm going to a singles event. Whereas in this scenario, you might have when you're building your team comp, you might be like, okay, these, these armies are really good in this scenario. We need something that can counter that in this scenario. And so I put as much information up as I possibly could um, just so that people could get maximum planning basically
0: <laughs> and i guess if you didn't have that um and, and, and you know so, some people um will advertise their scenarios in advance some yep. people will do it after list submission so if they don't yep. want people tailoring to the list uh, yeah. they will they'll just tell you like round one round two round three but then the week prior or two weeks prior after like lists are locked in that's when yeah. they'll announce the uh, the the battle plans. Yeah. Uh, but I like what you said as well because um, if you were to announce it on the day, and I know some match play events announce them on the day or on the round, like they'll immediately yeah. do it, there's that time where not everyone is super experienced with the game. So yeah. they've got to look at the scenario, look at how they win, look at how they deploy, and that can be a bit of back and forth that's just eating yeah. into the time that exactly. someone might not get five rounds or your event finishes at eight
1: o'clock at night. Yeah. Well, that's the other side. It's like, it was one of those things I'm already, I'm already aware that the matchup process has to happen in each round and that you are going to have people who are, you know, super experienced who are not as experienced. And I wanted to kind of make sure that I'm catering to everyone. So the more, the more, um, the more issues I can address before, that time limit starts, the better because then it allows more time for them to actually do the match-up and actually play the games. So that's kind of why I announced the rounds well ahead of time.
0: Yeah. And it's another cool reason why you also have published the list in advance because yes. then uh, people don't have to wait till they get to the – on the moment. You yeah. can utilise things like Facebook to say, hey, here's the draw, and yep. before we even get to the table, I can start looking at the lists. And uh, here's exactly. an example: He's actually my team, so uh, we called ourselves Team Toasty, uh, very similar to Mortal Kombat. <laughs> uh, we for, for a brief second we did talk about dressing in Mortal Kombat, but I think that, oh, that, miss, missed opportunity. <laughs> uh, it, it, it died pretty quickly, but uh, you know, he's Hanel slanish. slash There you go. So uh, yeah, straight yeah, up yeah. the bat, like you know, any of our opponents could could have looked at our list. Yeah. Um, and going right this is what it does you know yeah. oh Hallow heart well oh we're going to chuck the corn player in because the corn player can uh, <laughs> connect more magic and throw hex gorgeous skulls and they can look at yeah. the list man look at all those endless spells you can't do that anymore. Yeah,
1: no uh yeah like, those it, days
0: <laughs> but like we you know we could sit down for like week or two researching going right yeah. cool how would i handle this what would i yeah. do here uh if we're in this situation do you know oh dan dan will be great against blah so yeah. Uh, it allows you to, to do as much research and planning for other teams. They're just like, I don't care, like, just yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll just play some games, <laughs> whatever happens. But uh, it does bring that team dynamic, so yeah. uh, very, very similar. You've kind of said, you know, dice, you know, battle tomes, terrain. Yeah. Um, so I think you did you scrap that? there was uh, the terrain
1: we did have it in 2019. Um, Because we were kind of on the brink. We probably could have done terrain on our own. I just wasn't sure um, entirely if we were going to make it. So I'm like, if everyone brings some, then we're safe. I I, Um, Actually,
0: I didn't remember bringing any terrain. That's why I questioned you. But actually, because Hayden uh, looked after us. Yeah. But yeah. but just for anyone who's looking at this, and this is something that I really appreciate in the Australian community. And talking to our American tournament organisers, I know that they would love this process. Yeah, and that yeah. is uh, actually Gabe. I'll let you explain. Like, what's what's the deal with the three pieces of terrain, and why do we ask players to to contribute? So, um, physical resources are probably the biggest barrier to running
1: large events. Um, you would know. I mean, Sydney GT is a perfect example. That's one of the big or probably one of the big four kind of massive I offici- events.
0: I officially own over 500 pieces of terrain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I enf- I've owned 55 battle mats. Um, yeah. I'm still printing terrain. Uh, yeah. Heaven forbid <laughs> no- knowing what Clint does, Clint runs a 240-player event. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's one of those things because that physical resources is the biggest barrier, Um Pretty early on, we hit the ceiling of going, okay, well, one person, you can't put one person in, make them responsible for buying all of that stuff, painting all of that stuff, supplying everything. Like that's unrealistic and it's a lot of pressure on on them. So I don't actually remember who, what event started it or how it It was It was
0: was Clint. It was Clint from CanCon.
1: Yeah, Um, okay. Because but if basic. you
0: think about if you think about CanCon, CanCon's 240 players at yep. the moment, which is um, 240, so 120 tables. Yep. Um, which if you times that by the average Age, age of Sigma uh, table suggests about eight to ten pieces of terrain. So we're looking at over a thousand pieces of terrain that Clint, <laughs> yeah. that Clint is on the hook for. Now, our mm. events are not profitable, we're not earning lots of money, yeah. so either we need to jack up the prices to buy cool terrain or buy all the terrain, yep. but then there's also the question of logistics, right? Like, why would Clint have uh, over 1,000 pieces of terrain where he runs one event a year? Yeah, or or better yet, where would he keep a 1,000 pieces of terrain? And then where do you <laughs> store it, right? Yeah, um, yeah. A, a, uh, and and this this idea came off the back of uh, I think a shared a shared accountability. It's where Clint, you know, we went from fifty five to one hundred and ten to two twenty to two forty. And one of the reasons why we didn't jump from two twenty because I know we could have gone over two hundred forty players, but as a tournament organizer, you want to maintain quality, you yes. want to maintain control, and yep. you don't want to. You don't want to have people rolling on crappy tables with yeah. unpainted terrain, or yeah. you know, pieces of styrofoam <laughs> that are like, like you don't want. To, you don't want to have a crap experience, right? Yeah, so I really like uh, the shared accountability of just contributing three pieces of terrain. Um, yeah. we, we, the, the player controls it, so they don't um, they don't donate it and it goes missing. Uh, yeah. It's something that we just go, guys, please brings you're expected to bring three pieces there's a bit of like a it's like a mini deployment zone right like basically before we start deploying there'll be five to six pieces or four pieces and then we chuck down three pieces um yeah but yes yeah, so if it's if something like you and you don't have the terrain you don't have the scale yet yeah. um that's that's something to consider because you're right more people want to come to events but yeah the accountability is on the tournament organizer so yeah look for ways to alleviate that
1: yeah, that's it. And I think like in Brisbane, we're probably at the point now between, between myself, Brizhammer, Clint and, and the failed charge, we're probably in a position where we don't need to ask players to bring that anymore, which is a good thing for players. It's a good thing for TOs to be able to go, here's a bunch of theme tables that all look sick. Um, and so that's something that in the next players pack will probably not be there. Which is a nice feeling. <laughs> yeah.
0: Look, I, I think I think the key here is is work on scale, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, look for ways that you can scale, but also look for ways where you can get a shared accountability. And you're right. Like I've been 3D printing terrain for probably two years yeah. straight. I'm now at a point where <laughs> I'm now at a point where next tournaments that I run, I don't need my 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 event my players to bring tournament uh, yeah. terrain either. Yeah. Um, but if you're not in that position just yet. this might be a way for you to grow your event without having to spend lots of money and lots of time because as event organisers, we've got more things to do than just build and paint terrain.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also good for, it's a good show of support for the community as well because they're putting back in to make these events happen. It's not just one person shouldering the load and trying to make it all, all work. Everyone's kind of, they're all a part of it and they're all making sure
0: that it all gets over the
1: line, so... Yeah, and, and also like
0: terrain, I will call out here terrain days as well. Like I know Gemma yeah. and Mick, for example, and a whole bunch of you guys in Queensland have helped Clint paint terrain as well. So mm. uh leading up to events, again, don't don't take the accountability on yourself. Mm. Look for ways where people and, and Sydney people have helped me as well. They'll come and take yeah. a box of terrain and paint it for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like again, tournament organizer. It's not all on, all on you. So yeah. you put your list composition. Um, yep. This doesn't look very different. Obviously, mercenaries has changed now in GBH twenty. But yeah,
1: that's about the only thing that's changed. Um, you can't share endless spells across armies. Um, I'm just looking through here. I haven't looked at this player's pack since.
0: So this was last the duplicate year, war scrolls. Fast. So the duplicate war scrolls was to avoid things like negative play experiences where someone's just, like a team is just like literally spamming four change hosts, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, four KO <laughs> armies just full of all the boats. Yeah, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it, it,
1: it basically forces a bit of diversity in armies and in play styles and stuff like that so that you don't come and get up against, you know, three thricefold befellments with 80 plague bearers in each army. You know, you, you're you playing stuff that's a bit more um, – varied and interactive hopefully
0: i mean i could still play like three or four cities of sigma but maybe <laughs> well, one but, but, no, but like one could be hello heart which is all humans and then you have tempest yeah. die which is all dwarves and then you have uh more like dark elves in the uh the anvil guard so you could still yeah. do that but yeah. you're trying to avoid duplication and exactly that and then negative experience and then you
1: have to work if you're doing three cities armies you would have to work very closely with your team to make sure that you don't overlap
0: yeah yeah, hundred percent. But again, like again, it's part of the fun as well. We get to start <laughs> yeah. thinking about things, and I think you know when I was talking to Liam, I think I might have, at the time been thinking about living cities. Like, oh, I can't use a branch wraith, so we had to you know think about lists, and uh yeah. it was very, it was very cool. Actually, I think endless spells as well. Like we had to think about it, but again, that was a very interesting challenge and yeah, um, a lot of fun in, in our list building. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh Mentioned previously, you know, we've got that hobby deadline. I yeah, uh, I, I think. Most, if not all, Australian events do ask for lists in advance or you will get penalised for uh, in-tournament points mm. uh, or we actually may not allow you to, uh, to attend the event. So actually, if you refuse to submit a list, the <laughs> tournament organiser could say, don't come. So yeah. be be wherever you are on that spectrum. Yeah. Uh, anything else from an army point of view? I think we are very, very similar in regards to just things like, yeah, you know, it's pretty really standard. Yeah, it's nothing
1: too outrageous. Um, Proxy or conversions have to be approved. That's more to just mitigate people sticking a, you know, a children's toy on a base. (laughs) More than anything, it's not trying to limit anyone's creativity or anything, but it's making sure that people don't take the piss as well because that can be... That can be done, and it has been done in the past.
0: <laughs> it has been done, and I think I think, we're, I think we as event organisers are going to have an interesting challenge moving into the next season, uh, with so much creativity being unlocked lately. Yeah. Um, especially like Cities of Sigma, you know, you know, Tomb King OBRs. Like, there's this like, <laughs> yes. like, it's just like, you know, like, do you use a skeleton? Is it a Mortech guard? Oh, yeah, there's not. some
1: there's some blurry lines, but there's um there's also it's hard because some people when they have that creativity unlocked and they can just go ham and do an incredible army that's out of this world, it's amazing, but then you also have to be careful because that same set of rules can apply to someone who is you know cutting corners and and just taking you know taking the Mickey out of it for a uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah look, there's definitely there's there's I think a conversation that we all need to have around, yeah. you know, things like late guard. I know, this is clearly not about teams tournaments, but just yeah. think of, think about the way that you communicate and your expectations. And you know, again, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll bring this back to the primary conversation, and you can see, you yeah. know, we're saying here, you know, mysterious terrain we're going to be using. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you've said here actually that you know day one, uh, it's all going to be, uh Table one, uh, yep. which is the old rules, and then day yep. two is going to be all new rules. So, you yep. why'd you do that? Um, that was it was more to
1: save time, tell you the truth, because um, again, this comes down to, to time restrictions and stuff. And it was one of those things where if I'm like, okay, on Saturday, you just need a D6 chart on this, and then on Sunday, you got a D6 chart on this rather than going, okay. Oh, one to three, I'm rolling on this chart. Okay, I'm on that chart. Then you roll another dice. Then you determine it. And then you do that for the next piece. And then you've got 10 pieces that you have to do all that rolling for. Um, so, yeah, that was purely just as something different. The first one, it was kind of people are familiar with the old chart. I was like, it'll get people into it. There's three games that day. There's only two games on the second day so they can, you know, get adjusted to the new terrain because this was – Oh, a couple. This would have been about a couple three or four of months. months. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't that. long into GBH. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. So, I um, I didn't want to overload it with because this tournament's already got a lot going on with teams. So I didn't want to overload it with all this extra stuff. And that's kind of the same reason I didn't include Realmscape or
0: anything like that. Um, yeah, there's no, there no realm features. There's no realm. No or realm spells. Yeah. There's yeah. no realm stuff because I guess there's already a lot of complication in regards to the matchup process. Yeah, and um, in in some team tournaments, they'll actually have like a pool of four scenarios to yeah. use in one round. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, matchup one might be X, matchup two might be Y. Um, so but yeah, and this wasn't. Th- sorry, this
1: was also in the age of realmscapes being a lot more. Um, in some cases out of control than others like they've been toned down a lot in the current GHB yeah Uh, they used to be pretty outrageous so
0: well so some some of them were very crippling to certain uh, certain builds yeah exactly um, like it was it I can't remember (laughs) which which realm it was but like it it stopped shooting to be you know shooting got restricted to only 12 or anything that like run and run and charge and move could take (laughs) d3 or d6 mortal wounds so uh, it was quite brutal to some people um yeah but one thing that you know is very different th- to my experience uh, that a team tournament does versus uh, other tournaments mm-hmm. is this right here. Yeah, uh, is the scoring because it doesn't just rely on me winning my game. Yeah. Um, talk to me about the scoring. Talk to me how uh, you score the event and you ultimately determine that winner.
1: Yeah. So basically, each round there's a total of sixty points that you can get. Uh, 60 points that you can score, sorry. You can earn more than that. If if all four players get a major win and their secondary objective, um, they're getting 18 points each, right, which is pushing up into the 70s. Um, The idea behind this is because you've got that allowance for extra points, it means that you can have someone thrown under the bus and go for a minor loss, And if the rest of the team gets major wins and their secondaries, you're still just about maxing out points. Um, It was also to rein in um, a particular – like if you had a particularly dominant team come up against two teams who were there to get on the beers and have a good time and just blow out the points to the point where no one could catch them, that I think also makes a negative experience because it takes a bit of the – a bit of the shine-off for other players who might have had a harder a harder road to those top tables. Um, so capping it just means that it's a bit more even-keeled and no team is just tearing away. It's pretty much anyone's right to the end of it. Once you get to the end, you've got like probably four or five teams that are all in it. And last year there, were, there would have been four teams that were all within one strong round of winning in the last game. So which I guess as a TO, that's what you want. You want it to be nice and close and nice and competitive.
0: You don't You don't want the blowout. And I think for me, yeah. uh, it really put a focus and an emphasis on the secondary objectives because, mm. uh, you know, while the major win was quite achievable, the difference really was um, in those final rounds, the teams that were completing, and you're really quantifying it because it, you've got four players per team. So if one person drops... Those three points could be the difference between coming first and coming yep. third. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I think for me as well, it, it gave the if you got given a, a terrible matchup, it it still gives you a focus. Like, look, you know, you're going to lose. Like, you straight up, we know that we're yep. throwing you under the bus, but yep. we think that you can get the secondary objective, and those yep. three points will be valuable. So you just yep. play to that. You just that as yep. your your single goal. Pouring um, two
1: thousand points into a secondary objective. Which yeah. people did, and they did very well out of it, so,
0: yeah, I like it, I like it. it's different, it's fun. uh the you know, and again, you play with the numbers how you want to play, but I think the card cap for me, um like you mentioned, really does allow I think that it's it's quite demoralizing um if you start to see like one team where it's uncapped, yeah. there's an absolutely massive blowout uh in the first first round or the second round, yeah. You know, and if you use kill points as well, you know, in your yeah. in your formulation, and they just have that absolutely, you know, absolutely yeah. blowout, yeah. it can be then quite hard to catch up, which doesn't really create a good competition. And yeah, so
1: yeah, it can make for a negative experience.
0: Not to say that we want to pander to people, but just think no. about the experience and think but about you what want, you're trying yeah, to achieve.
1: You do want it to be as as um, as fair as possible, so.
0: We've also got the sports score. Uh, I know uh, some people like to have sports scores either in their tournament points or sports scores are just more of like a, uh, I guess, a management system where it doesn't actually contribute to the total winner. Uh, We've got the hobby score as well. Um, And I know in Australia we've got a pretty cool um, matrix that a lot of us use or some type of matrix to, if you are going to say that, you know, an army is going to be worth up to 25 points, I think yep. having a checklist, having things clearly defined yeah. uh, really helps you measure. Because I think for me, if I want to ch- achieve those 25 hobby points, how do I get it? Like, what's my, yeah. what's my benchmark?
1: Yeah, it's also an objective way to score an army. Like, you could walk up and see a Stormcast army and it might not do anything for you. You might be like, oh, that's a boring, you know, if you didn't like Stormcast, for example. I didn't mean to pick on Stormcast players. I'm just using that as an
0: example. But you I'm going to get so many dis- dislikes in this video. Please please go to go to, uh, the, Rune Act blog. to the Rune Axe The apps. link is below. Go there and tell them why uh, he's yeah. wrong about Stormcast. Please don't punish me.
1: <laughs> but like it means that you can go through and everything on the matrix is fairly achievable. Like do you have any free hand in your army? You could have a go, like no one's saying it has to be, you know, the Bible written on someone's cape. It just has to be, you know, having a go kind of thing. And so it's all pretty achievable and it's all objective. So, you know, going in, if you're realistic and honest with yourself, you probably
0: know exactly what score you're going to get. It's very descriptive, you know, and, and, and it has a whole bunch of options, right? Did you have object source lighting? Did you have a display board? Uh, yeah. Was there any conversions, you know, minor yeah. conversion, major conversions? Uh, you know, how many, like, was it battle ready? I think, you know, Games Workshop's mm. been a good job doing battle ready yeah. and parade ready. So is it, yeah. is it you know, um, is it, ba- I wouldn't say basic, but is it uh, just battle ready? Or have you gone in and done, you know, a couple of layers of edge highlighting? Yeah. You painted the eyes and you've, you know, you've really gone above and beyond. So be objective if you are going to have uh, some yeah. type of hobby score and allow people to know how you're going to measure against them as opposed to yeah. just picking a number out of the, out of the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, So you got your, you know, your, your final sc- scores and you kind of tallied this up. But yeah. the, the part that I think is going to be the most interesting and also the most confusing as an event organizer yes. and as a captain oh, yeah. is this yeah. because when I run Sydney GT, <laughs> When yeah. I run CGGT, I've got my 100 players in my t- my tournament software. Uh, yeah. I-, I input the scores. Actually, the guys put them in themselves now. I- I've actually yeah, got it yeah. to a point where people submit <laughs> their scores yeah, you know, right. using their phone. Um, <laughs> yep. And I just sit there and I just, you know, put my feet up all day. And I just press a button. I'm like, cool, round commence. But for yep. you, you can't do that. So yep. <laughs> so talk to me through the matchup process because this is going to be the thing that, as an event organ, uh, you need to understand yep. But yeah. more importantly, you need to communicate so your players know the process.
1: Yes. Uh, so this is a big part in like being in a having a good relationship with the captains and making sure that they know what's going on is making sure that they understand the match up process because that can be one of the more confusing elements in the game. This one that we've got in here at the moment is the one from last year, which I'm looking at overhauling um, purely because this one comes down to a roll-off, and whoever wins that roll-off can sometimes get a massive advantage. Um, so next year, I'm probably using a li- little bit more of an even-keeled uh, simultaneous system, but with this one, basically how it worked is each each captain would choose a player on their team as a champion. Uh, that champion could not be put forward as a player in any of the matchups. They would basically... They were basically a blind matchup up uh, at the end of the at the end of the process. So, as you read through this, you can see it's all step by step, and I think there's like five or six steps. But uh, oh no, so there's five steps, which is you know that's that's five steps that you're having at the start of every game, um, and so that was the reason that obviously time is precious in an event like this. You want to make sure your team understands it fully and and that they, um, they already know going into each matchup, which, you know, if they're going for a competitive edge, uh, which games that they would like and which games that they can handle getting thrown into. So it's, um, this is where a lot of the science of the event comes in, uh, and this is one of, the, one of the parts where I'm learning more each time I run this event on how to fine-tune this process because it's one of the major mechanics of the entire event. And I'm always looking for ways to improve it. Um, The roll-off is probably the biggest thing at this stage is because whoever wins that roll-off does get a big advantage and that's, you know, that has its problems.
0: So, and look, you know, there, there's, you know, everyone can run their, their matchup process. How this is no golden standard. Yeah, this is just I'm, an example. Yeah, this is I've not seen. The Bible. <laughs> I've seen many examples. Of, you know, again, as a player, I I got to play at your event, and I and it yeah. works. It works. Yeah, I yeah. didn't feel I didn't feel there was a, a big advantage or a disadvantage. You yeah. know, and I did play the eventual winners um of your event, so yeah. I didn't feel like that was there. But essentially, yeah. what happens is step one: uh, both of the captains appoint a champion. So the champion could be themselves; it could be one of their players. So yeah. um, those those two players, uh, those you know individual champions, are matched mm-hmm. up together. So we've got three yeah. players left on each side. Yeah. Captains roll the dice. Basically, um, the losing captain puts forward uh, was it uh, one of his teammates, mm-hmm. um, and then the winning captain can choose uh, one of the three armies to fight. Yeah. And then that switches back and goes the other way so that the losing
1: team then gets to pick a matchup, although that is a bit more limited. They've only got two armies to pick from. Uh, And then at that point, after that second one's been picked, you've only got the champions who are destined to fight each other and you've got one other army on each team. And then at that point, they're destined to fight each other as well. So...
0: Yeah, I've um, seen this. I've seen this done where um, people have had names on a card. So all of my teams are on a card, and you kind of like have them um, have them uh, blind, and you're like, right, yeah. you know, this, this <laughs> yeah. is how we're going to do it, you know, and yeah. or you could, you know, like you know, there's a lot of different ways you can match it up. But yeah. think about yeah. what you don't want to do is you don't want to have uh, one team at a disadvantage, right? So you want to alternate yeah. them. Um, yeah, definitely.
1: And the champion, the champion element as well adds a bit of fun to it because you kind of have to guess who your opponent is putting forward as champion uh, and kind of there's a bit of cat and mouse there where you, you're trying to gauge where they're going to go with it and who whether they're going to throw up a renegade choice that you're not expecting and all of a sudden the champion game is a bit of a tricky one or they might put up exactly who you think and you've put a perfect counter forward for them and and that's a that then becomes a pretty favorable match. So there is a, yeah, there's, there is a lot to it and it's, it's a lot of fun and it's something that I'm always working to kind of find out what the best way is, but yeah. Uh, here we go. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no, the, uh, the, the two house rules. Ah. Um, these were more just, um, these are more just for clarification. Uh, uniform dice was a big one. Um, if you've ever been at a tournament and someone is using club dice or something where there's a symbol on the six and then they have other dice in the same pile and there's a symbol on the one, uh, it gets real confusing real fast. Yeah, exactly. It's terrible. Uh, so I basically said, look, dice with a symbol on the six is good as long as everything in the everything in your dice bag is the same so that there's no confusion, no one's getting mixed up, anything like that. Um, that was just a personal preference thing that I think everyone appreciated in the long run. Um, and then Law of Dread, that was kind of just covering my ass in case someone played up. Um, especially with-
0: especially like with, with a lot of drinking, right? If people start acting yeah. obnoxious, people are, are slow to the table because they're, they're hanging out at the bar. Yeah. Uh, they keep going back and forth. I've had events where I've had complaints that somebody keeps going back to the bar and is becoming destructive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, not talking to you about you, Blake Kerwick, who grabbed seven gym, beam, <laughs> seven gym beams and just sat them on the table for our game. At, uh, that
1: doesn't sound like Blake at all. <laughs> no, no, he was good. He
0: grabbed the seven gym beams and cokes and had them ready to go on our oh, table. My so did, uh, that my word. Uh, that was when he ran 27 <laughs> Zengor Skyfires at me. Ah, uh, yes. An RCGT. Yes, the best fun. <laughs> that was good. My Carmine Dragon killed, I think, 12... Uh, or eleven uh, zangor in one, <laughs> one go, but uh, I think you know ha- having expectations is is, is important. Um, yeah. If you are not accepting um, dice calculators, so someone that rolls the dice using yeah. an, app, an app, you should have that yeah. type of thing kind yeah, of um yeah. Any type of expectations, or you know, uh, if you are more than ten minutes late to yeah. the event, or yeah. uh, you will forfeit your game, uh, yeah. and your opponent gets an automatic victory. Uh, yeah. Any any expectations, anything that you want to ma- manage, um, yeah. you need to document.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. And like we've had, um, for example, last year we had a gentleman who decided to sneak a bunch of his own drinks into a licensed venue. It's happened to me can, a few times. Which, as you can imagine, the venue was thrilled about. Um, and so that was a situation where we were like, all right, mate, that's probably you done. You know, you can... You can pack your army because the venue were pretty upset, and I was like, "All right, well, you know, someone's gonna pay the price for that one." Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just all the the paint matrix. Yeah, we do, um, we do
0: this. This is how we uh, gave us measuring the the painting. Um, yeah. You, can, you know, there's a lot of different examples of how you do this, uh, yeah. but here's one example. And, and and again, there's a hard cap of twenty five, and I think that's really important because, yeah. for example. Uh, at least in Australia, we do get a lot of people who fly to an event. So I would yes. fly to see Gabe. I don't drive, I fly. Yeah. And for me to bring a two-by-two two display board is is impractical. Yeah. So I, I And, and I lose points immediately that I can't get back. But by having a cap, uh, I can get my points from other areas, yeah. such as uh, exactly. freehand, uh, shading, OSL, non-metallic metal, yeah. wet blending.
1: That's it, yeah, definitely. There's a there's a lot of different roads to that
0: that uh, hobby cap. And then finally, so you t- talk to me a bit about the, the the way you distribute your prize money. Is it just yeah. for the top? Is it you know how do you how do you continue to create like an awesome event with your awards and your prizes?
1: So with the awards, I uh, that first um, where are we looking? Okay, so each one of those uh, podium places. They all get uh, medals with the insignia in the middle in a nice case that's obviously gold, silver, bronze. Uh, All the rest of the trophies are all these black glass plaques. Um, I don't put any money up as like prize money because I think that then changes the incentive of the event dramatically. Um, When there's money on the line, people sometimes change how they play or how they act. uh, So that's not something that I really wanted to do. Um, basically how it ended up working was after I'd paid the venue, the trophies, you know, all the all the expenses that come with running an event, as soon as that was done, uh, all, the, all the money that I had left over, uh, we were sponsored by one of the local hobby shops, Irresistible Force. Uh, and so as soon as I was done paying all my bills, I took the rest of the money down there, I handed it over the counter and everything else went into a lucky door prize. Um, And it was just a random number generator so that even if you got trashed, you had as much chance as anyone else to win something. And we had star collecting boxes and all sorts in there. Like there were some big, big prizes in there. But that was basically, you know, any leftover money just went straight into that. So Yeah,
0: I I think I talked about this on a few other episodes. I, I have quickly moved away from putting my money in, the, the prizes for first, second, yeah. third, yeah. and all, all of those types of things because the trophy or the medal or whatever you give them is yeah. is prize enough. Yeah. And yeah. I think the distribution, especially the random distribution, uh, it doesn't matter if you come last, doesn't matter if you come middle, you come first, everyone has the same type of, uh, of opportunity to walk away with a prize.
1: Yeah, and,
0: exactly. Because um, I think some people do, not some people, a lot of people, they don't like the idea of coming to an event and getting smashed and paying a whole lot of money. Yeah. Um,
1: so with no chance of returns, you know. That's like, it. You know, yeah, it's definitely – it's one of those things. It's it's a bit of peace of mind in the back of all the players' heads because they know that even if they do lose, eh, they're still – you know, you're still in the running for something cool. You could still come away with a few new models. And, and um, yeah, and it, it's also one of those things I didn't ever want the tournament to be like a for-profit endeavor. Like I didn't want to be, oh, I'm making all this money out of an event because realistically it's it's difficult to make money out of events because they are, you know, like the venue that I hold it at is quite expensive and but we get our money's worth out of that. It's, you know, it's well lit, it's air conditioned, the staff there are great, there's a bar and that's something that I think adds a lot to the experience there's nothing worse than a bad venue um but it was also one of those things where i wanted it to be a community event and i think the the best way to go about that is to give back to the community i think and the lucky door prize is a good way to do that and it's a very transparent way to do that as well Um, people know that you're not scooping money off the top i think last year i had 15 dollars left over at the end and I bought myself KFC on the way home on the Sunday to celebrate that it was all over and was a success. So, yeah, there's definitely, um, despite what people might think, TOs are not rolling in cash.
0: <laughs> my, my my own personal event probably the most expensive event in our calendar, mm. um, uh, maybe on par with CanCon. Um, but you're right, like I, I, I'm a premium event, um, mm. I have uh, Canterbury Leagues, which is, you know, uh, one of Australia's largest and uh, best licensed venues. Yeah. Um, it's immaculate, man. It's waterfalls. Yeah, I've heard, and, I've it's heard freaking in, things. free <laughs> Wi-Fi. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, And but, like, for for me, and, and I don't know if you have a formula um, for the way I, I break down my events so they're always cost neutral. Um, yeah. And yeah. I have a formula so how I can basically... Have X amount of, you know, from a a ticket perspective, you know, how much goes to the venue, how much goes to me, how much goes to prizes. And, you know, I basically scale over time. But for me, you know, I I always want to make sure that I've got about 30% of a ticket sale that goes back into the prizes and um, even also making sure. Giving away things. I know people give away objective markers or, mm. or combat gauges, or yeah. uh, Brizhammer does a great job to give away stickers and,
1: and dice. Just some, <laughs> some dice, just some those, things that you those know. Those pink Hammer dice, man, I'll tell you, <laughs> they're
0: wild. However, you can, however, you can again, you know, reinvest in the event. If everyone yeah. walks away with a whole bunch of dice that you've gotten custom made through Chessex, if you've, yeah. um, uh, you know, got some acrylic tokens, everyone needs tokens and combat gauges. You can never have enough combat gauges. Uh, yeah. again, win, lose, or draw. I'm walking away with not only a memento because I've got the rune logo of that team's tournament, yeah. And I and I and like Moab, for example, is a great example where Moab has a different dice every year. And I've got like yeah. 10 different dice from Moab just attending yeah. every event. I've got a Moab dice, so uh, and Cancon as well is the same type of thing. So you, um, you, you do. You do accumulate and get a bit of pride. So think about yeah. your prize pool. Think about not only awarding, you know, things like kill points, things like, you know, the the person who, who didn't lose as much or best in yeah, best yeah. in alliance, uh yeah. person who achieved the most objectives, but think about how you distribute your prizes across yeah. across every player, not just yeah. your your prize yeah. winners.
1: Yeah. So like there's a few in there for people like there was one who who lost the most kill points of just uh and someone ended up seeing that prize and designing a list to try and achieve it, where they basically summoned stuff and then died. Uh, but, and I'm I'm looking at overhauling that and finding some new cool prizes. But there's there's ways for people to win prizes even if they are losing games. You know, yeah. it's not it's not necessarily all about oh you've got to be at the top to get anything out of this event. It's like there's there's prizes the whole way through, and you can you can win some
0: cool stuff. I actually give away a prize for for a mid table warrior where basically, uh, basically there's like I don't want to call it a shit list, but if someone <laughs> is like if someone's got like this average list, like you know, when I say average, I mean like they're not yeah. doing well in the in the in the like, If someone yeah. if someone goes three and two with a silver net list right now or a legions yeah. of Nagash list, I'd be like, yeah. cool you're a prize winner. Uh, if someone <laughs> yeah. does that with change host, I'm like, you're not special. In fact.
1: Yeah, it's like, what are you doing sh- in the middle tables with change host?
0: <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of cool ways you can you can yeah, do this. But definitely. I think the point here is that um, think about the way you distribute your prize money, yep. look about the way you create ultimately a, a, an awesome event. And I think for me, yep. when, I, when I read over that players pack, uh, yep. it does sound like a fun event. And I think that's yep. where for a team's tournament, we, we know what it's meant to be. It's meant to be a fun, uh, collaborative experience. Uh, It is not Adepticon. It's not uh, South Coast GT. It's not CanCon. It's not the peak of competition. And I found it was very conversational as well. I found um, from a tournament player perspective was that uh, I was talking to more players. My games were a lot more casual. Um, I was chatting with my opponents probably a lot more because the stakes weren't nearly as high. Yeah, yeah as that's exactly it. Cancon. Yeah. yeah. Where if you lose a game
1: it's not the end of like it doesn't destroy your run and it doesn't, you know, doesn't completely kill your momentum. You're just like, "Oh, I lost one, but the te- rest of the team did well or or you might be like our whole team lost that round and that's okay, you know. It's just a different it feels like a different vibe to to a lot of of the competitive events.
0: Yeah, And, that's, and look-
1: that's not to say that people don't take it seriously. I mean, the the guys that won this year with the Four Chaos, that same team won last year. And, you know, the teams that go with the intention of winning are usually the ones up in the mix of it anyway, you know. And that's not to say the people down the bottom don't want to win, but, like, there are definitely different motivations for different teams, and hopefully everyone gets what they want out of the event.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, and you know, I got to play. Well, I I didn't play, but my team played. Uh, somebody with uh, the like, do you have do you have all the steam? He had like a couple of steam tanks, and I'm like, oh, yeah. you, like um, you wouldn't. Yeah, like you, you know, who I'm talking yeah, Jared. Jared. Yeah, 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 I yeah. Know who you're talking about? Yeah, but again, you know, it allows you. I I got to see some really quirky lists, and yeah. um, again, because again, there's no ranking points available, yeah. but also more importantly, the the spirit of the game. Uh, and you can probably reward people by taking those types of lists and having fun yeah. or um, yeah. yeah, I know like the Honest war for example, they have the band phase in, in their, um, their super series. And yeah, you know, that might, that might be something you consider You're like, look, I want to have fun. I want to have a different event. It's not meant to be competitive. Yeah. We're going to ban certain things. Um, yeah. Not that yeah. I probably would suggest that, but like there's just different ways that you can uh, think about uh, think about your team and, and ultimately create the experience that you want. And yeah. Um, And just to answer Cold Shoulders' question, no, um, team's tournament is not doubles. Uh, Doubles is... I should probably do a video on doubles, actually. Yeah, Doubles is Um, two-on-two, usually 1,000 points each player, so it's a 2,000-point battle. Uh, This is still a 2K battle, so um, four players, six players, eight players, do what you want to do. It's just one-on-one, but the way we kind of do the the team structure is... um, is is uh, is via a team? Yeah, yeah. This is cool. This is yeah. very cool, Gabe. <laughs> no,
1: it's exciting. It's um, it's a bit weird. Like it's been a weird year. All you know, I mean, everyone on Earth, I guess, is dealing with the same kind of thing. But um, but it feels like at the moment Australia's almost out of out of the worst of it. Not necessarily back to normal, but like victoria's had a couple of days of zero cases and they're, they're back on top of it and that was probably the um, that was probably the critical mass point i guess was in victoria which was very unfortunate for everyone down there but it feels like in queensland particularly and i feel like the rest of australia it's all starting to come back and we're starting to see events being organized again you know, people are planning ahead again and not necessarily travelling a lot yet because
0: that still all remains to be seen. Um, I, reckon, I reckon this could be the perfect event to kick-start the competitive season or kick-back, you know, depending on where you are and what your community yeah. looks like. And yeah. someone, might, someone might be watching this three years from now going, what on earth are these guys talking about? Yeah. Um, but, like... <laughs> if i'm thinking about uh starting a starting an event in my community you know and, yeah. and i'm trying to set a a fun vibe uh still a competitive vibe it's still match yeah. play it's still 2k oh, or yeah. 1k or it's it's, yeah. it's like, make, make no mistakes when i went there i went there to win uh yeah. you know regardless of who i played like i still played you know the winner of cancon last year yeah. um uh, not last year, before, Matt Tyrrell. Matt Tyrrell yeah. playing, Matt Campbell. I still play Matt Campbell. <laughs> don't don't um, let no, Matt Campbell do no, that. <laughs> no, no Matt, no, Matt Tyrrell wanted to be in my team this year. Yeah, um, okay. And I was exactly. going to be the captain. I was just going to throw cash at you and, and, and <laughs> Tyrrell was going to be in my team. Uh, yeah, okay. The point was that, you know, we still wanted to go there and we still wanted to win, yeah. but the intention and the interaction on the day is different. Yeah. And yeah. I imagine for you as an event organiser, you sit there and you just enjoy the conversation you enjoy the laughs you uh because that you aren't organizing as much of the matchups and yeah i imagine i don't know maybe i'm speaking for you but the rules inquiries i imagine were probably a lot less people again probably more likely to just roll the 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 d6 and and on a four plus or try to work it out themselves as opposed to again in the moment like you know arguing about the (laughs) rules
1: there's a there's a funny story about that so um, I don't have any, like, I wasn't wearing, like, a club shirt or a TO shirt or anything like that, but all of the stream team from the failed charge all had their, their polos on. And so Mick from the failed charge, who was the roving team, um, he was getting bombarded with questions as he's walking around, and no one was bothering me because I was just in a casual shirt. So um, credit to Mick—he took a lot of a lot of questions that I wasn't there for. So
0: to be fair, round <laughs> five, Mick was Mick was pretty drunk by the time that we uh, I got to play the the eventual champion. So that
1: was... yeah, I think round one he was he was pretty close. Tell you the truth, by the end of round one, uh, yeah, he was up there. <laughs>
0: But maybe the lesson here is you know detracting from um from from Mick getting drunk <laughs> yes uh, you know smashing the bundys but yeah the, uh, the the making sure that it's clear who the event organisers yes. are, who the support is Gabe yeah, didn't do it himself uh Gabe had a team so make sure that you've yeah. got people who uh not only Absolutely. can step up if uh if um because things happen man I've had plenty of tournaments yeah. where um Uh, someone with the right intentions has been at the tournament and then they get a a call from their family, uh, a kid's sick, their workers has begged them to come in, they got food poisoning. Stuff happens by having someone to jump in is going to help, but also have people there to take photos, have chats with players, uh, make sure that the the game is going smoothly, to give checks, to let people know you've got half an hour left, 15 minutes left, an hour to go um yeah have a support team because you can't do it definitely
1: yourself. definitely especially in teams uh have a, you know a couple of people around you who are there to help um it makes the biggest difference in the world no one's expecting i think in today's day and age no one's expecting TOs to do it on their own um and so and, pe- and people are happy to help like i have people and you would be the same where people are like let's you know what do you need do you need Set up the night before. Do you need help on the day? Like people are people are jumping at the bit to to make sure that the event is a success and that everyone has a good time. Because at the end of the day, that's the that's the end goal. You want everyone to enjoy themselves and
0: feel like their weekend was well
1: spent playing hammers.
0: Yeah, I mean, as the event organizer, you give up two days. In fact, you probably give up more than two days. But like <laughs> everyone, everyone else enjoying themselves rolling dice. Yeah, like they're watching everyone roll dice. Yeah. So. I find yeah. generally communities community is really good. They'll help pack yeah. up. People will come in yeah. early to set up. I find people will ask me, hey, can I get you a drink, or buy you something, um, a yeah. whole bunch of uh, very, very supportive. I think as an event organiser, I've become more comfortable accepting help and asking for help. Yeah. Where I yeah. think at the start I was trying to do everything myself because I'm like, well, they paid me to, to do it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, to lean into your community try to find places hell if you're not very good at like, doing players pack or i know people who are graphic designers they're always willing to help i remember someone uh in my community natalie um she made me up all these really beautiful custom uh certificates mm. so she as a graphic designer like design all these cool these cool gra- uh, certificates which allowed me to uh, have something unique and special to offer to my players at yeah. a low cost, and I mean, yeah, my, my money was going into prizes as opposed to, yeah, of course, the certificate, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what? fair. It's oh, sorry, you go.
1: No, 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 no please. No, I, I
0: didn't have anything intelligent to say. Sorry, I just started talking. <laughs> no, that, that's fine. I think, I think, uh, I think most people who are watching this, uh, hopefully, you're excited. Uh, I, I would love to hear if you're watching this on replay, if you're watching this live. Um, you know, like, does this sound like something that you would be interested in? Yeah. Um, the team's format is definitely different. Something that's definitely fun. It's uh, something that yeah. I recommend all communities has on their calendar somewhere. Yeah. But yep. Through your experience, Gabe, and you know, you've yep. mentioned the refining of the of your pack, right? And obviously, if twenty twenty wasn't the way twenty twenty is, yeah. you know, you, we we would holy shit, It would be next it week. It would be. It would be this weekend. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about that. So, like you would be done. Yeah. Going- 2020 thinking about 2021 but um what advice would you give me uh as a as an event organizer that if i and by the way if anyone wants to see gabe's pack i have got the link down below so you can read this particular page that i was showing earlier so you can kind of see gabe's players pack uh to if you want to use that as your foundation but what advice would you give me uh whether it's Well, let's break it down. What advice would you give me um, setting up the event and promoting the event, Uh, especially for a community that maybe has never had a Teams event before? What advice would you give me as an event organiser getting the message out?
1: Uh, Okay. I would say getting the message out. I would definitely – word of mouth is the way to do it and talk to people who – Oh, that's good. I was about to say, talk to people who talk to people because they're the people who are going to put together a team. They'll go, oh, this sounds like great fun. I want to go chat with three of my mates or four of my mates or however big you choose to make it. And they're going to do a lot of the organizing for you when it comes to publicity because this is something like teams is something that people want to be involved in. People love being part of a team and they love playing Warhammer, you know, and so it's a matter of making sure that, you publicize it well uh, talk to the right people talk to gaming clubs um, if you have clubs in your community get in touch with them um, usually they're pretty good with you know if they if there's an event that they're interested in they'll get behind it um, that'd probably be the way to do it I like the one that I'm organizing at the moment is you know it's it's don't expect it to be massive the first time that was the biggest thing for me was keeping my expectations low and keeping my, um, yeah, just being realistic about, about the event and being okay with it being whatever size it ends up being, if it blows out to, you know, a hundred players, fantastic. If it's 20 players, fantastic. Like you're still contributing to the community. Um, but I think being realistic, making sure you have the resources, um, to put on a quality event because that is what will get people coming back next year is yeah. if they show up and they have a fantastic time and they're playing on cool terrain and they're playing on in a cool venue and they're enjoying themselves and it's well run, they will come back next year. That's been yeah. my experience with every event that I've attended, whether it's singles, doubles, whatever. If it's fantastic, I'm there next year,
0: you know, and so well, that
1: plays a huge part
0: the one other thing i'd mentioned that you you done uh also Clint and Chris did uh really well was this concept of barbarians or mercenaries or whatever you want to call it right because not everybody has a four man team um yes. if if you know if i want to play and none of my friends want to play but i really want to play how do i get involved in the team's tournament and yeah. the 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 event organizer like yourself Gabe can help connect yeah. us with other people you know look yes. um I will help connect you to three other people yeah. um, and we, you guys can form a team. And I know in Sydney that that event that I talked about that I attended, yeah. um, there was a barbarian team called the fairy princesses. <laughs> um, yeah. But they for, have formed friendships that, that last still to this day. Uh, yeah. Rob, yeah. Uh, Sean, uh, Peter. Uh, they had a lot of fun. And actually, like, like they even wore, like, a little, uh, like, fairy wings. They just um, absolutely <laughs> took it in strides, yeah. right? So, like, as an event organiser, I guess, try to find ways that you can be inclusive, including yeah. people who may not have a team. Or maybe yeah, a club definitely. has five players, but how do you manage, that? you know, with only four? Yeah, well, that yeah. Or per- person could be introduced to other people who want to play. But, or maybe you've got a team of three that's looking for that one.
1: Yeah, and that's it. And those single players who are willing to play on another team, regardless of who it is, they are an absolute godsend in that week. What I was talking about earlier in the chat, that week leading up to the event, you might have a player drop out of a team and you don't want someone sitting on the sideline. And those single players who are willing to jump into the breach and and just play games with whoever they need to, they are an absolute godsend as a TO. So, yeah, the mercenaries make the event... A lot smoother than it otherwise would be, because they're the ones who are willing to you know take it on the chin or not even take it on the chin they're just willing to do what needs to be done for it to be a fantastic event
0: yeah, and uh, the chat the chats you know really really agreeing with you here, especially just having a great event um, I've seen people uh have included lunches um, you know people who include trivias. Um, I've seen people, I've I've seen people with setup as well. Like if we do Friday night setup, um, you could have like a war cry game, um, or, you know, have some beers or have some, you know, order pizza for people who help set up. So there's a lot of cool ways you can kind of create that experience. And uh, I think ultimately you're right. Like when I think about my venue, um, I want to create like a premium event. I want to make sure that there's plenty of space. I want to make sure that there's food. I talk to the venue and let them know when my lunch breaks are so that yeah. the kitchen isn't smashed and yes, you know we're definitely. waiting for like you know definitely. what I mean like yeah. those little things that make an event making sure mm. that you're there on time the rounds are starting that you're yeah. checking in with people um mm. you are communicating um yeah. often um yeah. I over communicate with Facebook like everything I want to talk to everyone with is on Facebook so it's just yeah. just keep them up to date but Talk to me about your advice on the day. So you've given me some advice setting this up. We're going to have a yep. cool event. I think I think everything we've done so far is leading us up to success. Yep. On the day, what have you learnt um, from your experience?
1: I've learnt um, one of the biggest things is I feel, and this is mostly just pressure on myself, is I feel between rounds i stress myself out majorly usually right because i'm like people are waiting for the next set of matchups i've got to make sure that we start on time blah 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 Um, realizing that everyone's all right if it's five minutes late um and you know the event will go on um but also things like using your time between um like during the round the to in my situation i don't have a lot to do in that kind of hour and a half after the round starts. So I use that time to go around. I'll find a team and I'll mark up all their paint scores and I'll move to the next team, mark up all their paint scores while everyone's playing because you can get a good gauge of, of you know what their army is like and all that kind of thing. So you can do all those paint scores while people are playing. That way you're not cutting into any other time. You're not delaying the schedule at all. It's just using your time wisely to make sure that everything is uh, accounted for and that, you know, everything that you've pledged to put on in the players' pack, you're delivering on. Um, That's the biggest thing is delivering on everything that you're promising because people are paying for an experience and you want to give them that to the fullest. But on the the day, I would say... um, yeah, I would just say be present and be aware I think is the biggest thing and make sure you're on top of everything because as soon as you start losing, losing grip of the strings that are making it all run, that's when things start to spiral. So I think keeping a cool head, having a couple of helpers around you. I will say I have Ty every year. He does all the data entry and without him I'd be cooked. He is an absolute legend and he is half the reason that it all happens so smoothly is because he's got that sorted. I know that I can trust him 100% and he'll handle all that side of things, which means that I can be out in there making sure that everyone's happy, that all the games are going smoothly, that you know people are getting their games finished on time. Um, so, yeah, I think it's about understanding the workload and making sure that you have enough people on the TO team to cover that workload without tearing your hair out. Because yeah. if you're stressed, everyone else at the event is going to be stressed as well. So,
0: and people are pretty forgiving as well. Like, there's no, there's no major reason to stress. No. Um, we've, I've been at tournaments, uh, CanCon, far out, even CanCon this year. Um, they, the, yeah. the tournament software crashed for a good half an hour to half to, yeah. an, uh, I think forty k at the same time, um, who were using Best Coast pairings at the same time as LVO. That mm. all crashed. I think supposedly got they got hacked, and they. they mm. I think they, I think LVO got delayed by ninety minutes. Yeah, it was um, something horrific like that. They ended up finishing at like nine o'clock at night. Communicate so. with your players. Be yep. upfront. Um, yeah. Nothing. It, your your event is not going to go perfect. I think it's very yeah. similar to so like a wedding. You can plan a wedding, <laughs> but there's always something <laughs> that's going to go wrong. There's something yeah. you can't see. Um, yeah. And I think for me as well, like one thing I like to do is I always buy like a, a very nice gift for my my support staff. So I'll buy like a like a leather dice bag, or I'll buy yeah. them something that's meaningful because these people have yeah. given up their whole weekend, yeah, to help to, me to not work. play Warhammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's so. It. Buy, buy, buy them lunch I'll, I'll make sure it's out of the the tournament kitty but I'll make sure that they have a great experience but yeah I think course. you know for me round one it, I'm very much a politician I'm I'm uh, <laughs> kissing yeah. babies I'm shaking hands I just want to make sure everyone's yeah. had a good time and you know, yeah everything's going okay and then leave them alone and then yeah. come round two round three. As yeah. the stakes start getting a little higher, they might have questions. They might want to yeah. ask. I always want to take photos. I want to try to take videos. I yeah. I like to I like to talk to people as well on video. So I'm like, hey, what's yeah. going on? And like, <laughs> yeah. They like to reflect on that, and you know, uh, yeah. I do it on Twitter, but definitely. <laughs> and then finally, um, what 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 have you learned? Like ending the event, or like you know, when when the event's done. Yeah. Do you just put your feet up or like what what what's your process when when it's all done?
1: Um, oh, usually um usually it'll be the there'll be a big pack down after everyone leaves. We'll get most of everything sorted out and then I finish the pack down usually on a Monday. Um but no, it's the best feeling. Uh that last round of the tournament. I'll usually go around and catch up with everyone and thank them all for coming cuz got people do pay a fair bit of money to like on flights and giving up a weekend of their time and all the effort that goes into their army and everything. So I go around, make sure that I say hi to everyone before they go. I hand out all the awards, which is always good fun. And then, um, and then, yeah, that, that feeling of like having an event go successfully and everyone's like enjoying themselves, walking out the door. You're like, okay, all that work for the last few months is all, is all worth it. You know, it's, there's, there's times in that journey towards the event where you're like, man, this is, this is a lot of work and it's sometimes you just, your head's just not in it, but that moment at the end is all worth it. So.
0: No, it's very rewarding and we need Mm. event organizers like yourself. Otherwise we have no events. So. Well, that uh, too. Yeah. And if anyone's thinking about running an event, like I've never run an event before, my advice to you is just get in there, have it a go. Uh, It's not hard. It's actually not hard. And, um, and and you can really lean in. I, I find, um, my, my experienced players, um, as well, even though they might be playing are very helpful and will ask, answer questions. If I'm not the best at, at rules, um, you know, there's always going to be people in my community who are good at rules and, and they'll be happy to answer rules. Yeah. Um, if there's a weird interaction with a certain list or a certain mm. type of army and you <laughs> yeah. know that there's this death person that's all over death <laughs> yeah go ask that person and yeah. um and again like uh, the co- lean in on the community i think is the yeah, the point i'm trying to make here because uh, yeah. everyone is willing to help it's yeah, actually definitely. been surprising how much people want to help
1: yeah because i think uh, i think A healthy community wants healthy events, right? Like people, like no one wants to see events fail. They like the more tournaments you have that are great, the better. Like that's a fantastic thing. If you tell people, hey, I want to try and run an event, it's going to be my first one, it'll be a learning experience. People are going to come into that and they're going to show a bit of grace. And if things don't go perfectly, they'll be okay with it. Like they know coming in that you're trying and that you're putting in the effort. Um, and they all wanted to succeed as much as you do. So I think, I think it's definitely worth giving it a go. I think if you have a community that is interested in teams, it's a great format. Um, it is a little bit of planning, and there's a lot of work leading into it, but it is well worth it in the long run. And it's an event that, yeah, it's an event that I
0: really enjoy running. I, th- I think it's going to be a good event structure for a post-COVID world. I think if yes. I think about bringing my community back together, wherever yeah. you are and whatever your country is, like however it handles the COVID, at the end of COVID and when things go back to a new normal and events start picking up locally, mm-hmm. um, and you know we can do this in a very safe manner, I think this is the type of event that's perfect to bring everyone back together. Yeah. It's been a while. We're gonna have fun. We're gonna roll dice. We are gonna to try to whip each other's butt, but you know, there's, not, there's not a lot of stakes on. And ultimately, we're gonna, you know, have some drinks, have some laughs, yeah. and then we can kick back off into the competitive season and get yeah. back into our. Uh, I, I think it's the. I think it's actually the perfect style to get everyone back in. And for some people, who haven't played played for a while. Uh, you know, again, you, you buddy up those friendships, you get that mentoring, yeah. get those discussions. And we've got a goal now you've got a support network because it's not just a one on one, it's like, yeah. cool, we're a team, let's let's practice yeah. together, let's chat, chat, yeah. let's talk about how we're going to handle gargants. Like, they're going <laughs> yeah. to go in five and zero oh in every event. So, how are we going to handle these bloody gargants? <laughs>
1: yeah, That's so a, Get a bit of rust off the wheels, get back <laughs> into it, you know. So, yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's going to be good. I can't wait to run it again. I'm currently working out when a team tournament is going to fit in the calendar. Um, like, as, as we were talking about before, like, it was meant to be this weekend, and I don't really want to wait a whole nother year to run it, um, but it just – it remains to be seen. There's still a lot of a lot of variables and a lot of restrictions in place at the moment. So it's just making sure that we're being responsible and safe about it, so –
0: yeah, look, I, I, I'm looking at these photos, and I think uh, I remember the good times. You had a lot of fun. Uh, absolutely, Gargans are going to be ripping off the meta, so just put it on as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, I, but I know. I know people are already planning events for March. I've got an event yeah. in March. I know uh, a few others are, are doing March, so I think yeah. uh, at least in Australia we're getting back into it. Yeah, Gabe, it's any- slowly coming back. It's good. Any final thoughts, any comments? I think I've extracted a lot of goodness. Again, if people are interested to learn more about Teams events, uh, Gabe, in the blog down below, I do have the link to his last players pack. Uh, But this is not the only Teams tournament. If you type in Age of Sigmar Teams tournament or some type of characteristic in Google, uh, I think there was Six Nations was one of them in the UK. Uh, There was one in – there was one at the airport, was it? I can't think of what the UK one was, but there was – uh just one basically they had it actually at the airport so people who flew in from the european countries actually didn't even have to get off like they just got off the plane and they played at the the airport hotel oh, Um that's a good yeah. idea yeah there's like yeah <laughs> but there's a there's been a whole bunch of them so you know yeah like this is just one of the many examples yeah that's it yeah there is
1: there are plenty of them yeah <laughs>
0: Gabe, any final thoughts? Are you
1: excited? I'm excited, please. Oh, I'm excited. I'm just excited to, um, like, events are starting to come back. Teams is hopefully, yeah, we got to look at, I'm, I'm working that out at the moment. Like, the last few weeks has kind of been as we're, you know, Queensland is returning to a bit of normalcy and it looks like when borders open up and stuff like that, we'll, uh, we'll definitely have to all catch up again and play some hammers in a team mm-hmm. event.
0: So this is the perfect, this is the the reason why this is the perfect format. Cool. I, think, I, yeah. I feel like we just keep going around in circles. This is a good format. It's a good time to be teams. Please put it on. I can see yeah. the chat very excited to, to see type some type of events. Yeah. Uh, I it's might definitely- I might later on try to find some more plays packed for you all.
1: Yeah, it's definitely coming. Runex 2020, it's, uh, not 2020. Runex 2021, let's just forget about 2020, hey? Pretend it didn't happen. <laughs>
0: So if you're in Australia, look out for Runax Teams tournament in Australia if you are, yeah. But otherwise, there's plenty of that will happen in the country. Gabe, if people want to talk to you more, they have some some questions for you. I know you're on the Twitterverse. Um, If people want to ask you questions, or get some advice, where can they find you? Uh,
1: So on Twitter, I'm at the Runax. On Facebook, I'm the Runax Wargaming. And on Instagram, I think I'm just Gabriel T. Hannah. And that's just me painting stuff. Like that's just photos of work in progress and all that kind of thing. It's nothing, nothing too crazy. I'm not, not posting any booty pics.
0: Sorry, everyone. <laughs> that's, that's for the Gabe only fans. And also <laughs> yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Hawkeye who, uh, who has clarified the events called blood tie. So uh, that was, that was oh, another yes. team. To, that was another yeah. team's tournament. Very, very, very good run uh, event as yeah. well. So awesome. um, six nations, blood tie, uh runax teams is just a couple of yep. examples i can't remember if the adepticon's teams tournament pack was out um yeah but okay. if it if, if it was out that's another example that you could be tapping into if not yep. um keep a lookout for it but there's a couple of packs for you to look at blood tie six nations and Runex are all examples to get your journey started um I hope by now you all know where you can find me uh, on the Discord. <laughs> Link in Discord is below, uh, Twitter and all that good stuff. But, Gabe, uh, this is an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for chatting. Uh, I really enjoyed myself. Me. Nah, man, all good. I learned a lot about Teams, and you've kind of just now reminded me that I need to do a <laughs> uh, a, a Teams tournament, a, a, dub- a doubles video.
1: <laughs> yep. No, it sounds great. Thank you for having me on, mate. I appreciate it. All good, it. guys. I hope you
0: all have an awesome rest of your day, morning, evening, and all the good stuff. Peace out. See ya. Mate, how good was that video? Surely it's going to go straight to the pool room. If you enjoyed that video, I would appreciate it if you crushed that like button, and if you have an opinion, leave it in the comments section. That lets YouTube know it was a great video and it should share it with other Age of Sigma players. Cheers to all the bloody legends here on the screen who have financially supported AOS Coach on Patreon on YouTube members. Their contributions have helped me improve the quality, frequency, and the variety of content on this channel. So cheers guys, you are bloody legends. Until the next video, don't forget to shoot the heroes and have a good one.